0: Spend time with uh, family members uh, of patients who are, are going through it, uh, <clears throat> and so I, you know, my my heart goes out to uh, anyone who's who's dealing with with that, um, and with other things though. Um, it, it's it's not just COVID, and uh, right now actually is uh, is is uh, our wonderful flu season, <laughs> and um, so we have that going on on top of it, and so. Um, we have, our, our hospitals are busy, and so we just need to be in prayer for, um, for people. Um, we have, uh, I've known a number of people who have gotten sick and uh, recovered quite well and, and others who have not. So uh, for the most part, though, <clears throat> we know uh, that uh, we do recover. We do bounce back. Um, it's, uh, it's something that we've uh, been gifted with personally and uh, and so we've we've uh, been in the midst of it. I can tell you that even right now, and that's what I was praying earlier, as we spent some time in prayer. That um, this lingering headache that I have—it's like a sinus headache, and um, and it's just it's just like right there, you know. Every now and then it'll go away, but for the most part it's been lingering. You know, I just pray that it wouldn't be a, a distraction. And uh, my doctor was telling me that uh, that could that could last anywhere from a few days, which it's already lasted a few days. It's been more than a few days, um, to a few months. And I thought a few months, you gotta be kidding me, you know, but Hey, it's, it's one of those things to where, um, you know, what, what, uh, I always pray for is that I get out of the way and the Lord, uh, has his way anyway. In fact, in spite of it, um, we were praying, and in fact, it just hit me as we were praying, because I was asking for the Lord to take this headache away from me. And I was thinking, what if he doesn't? What, what if he doesn't take it away? And, uh, you know, would that be okay? And absolutely, it would be okay, because it would be more evidence of just the Lord doing his work in spite of how I feel. Because uh, right now I feel I still feel fatigued, um I feel drained, but in spite of that, there's no place I'd rather be than right here doing what God's called me to do, uh to be in fellowship and uh in and to go through his word. There's there's no place I'd rather be. And uh, so that's what I pray. You know, one of the things that <clears throat> I want to also um be very um, open with you about is that um you know. The last uh, couple weeks have been uh, difficult as far as the, the virus is concerned. Um, but uh, one of the things that um, concerns me more than this virus is our lack of demonstrating our faith. That concerns me even more. What I mean by that is that uh, so we're we're not negligent. That that's not what we're we're saying, but that um, you know we. You, I could say that just a, a two three weeks ago, um, there was uh, there was a lot of courage within Refuge, um, and so I'm going to tell you this. You know, I know that there are families that are out, but um, for those who have actually uh, withdrawn out of fear, it, it shouldn't be out of fear. Um, you should uh, we should actually exhibit. Uh, a bit more faith um, for me. That's why I, I felt I needed to come back soon. And thank God, God was gracious with me, and and He gave me at least the ability to come back today. Um, but uh, but I, I needed to get back as soon as possible. Uh, my doctor was very clear with me. If you've been fever free for for a couple days, um, then you're 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 past it. You're you're recovering and you're fine in fact he wanted me to go uh, initially go back to work uh tomorrow and so i i just asked him, well you know i'm i'm fatigued and so if you could give me a couple more days that would be wonderful <laughs> you know and and he was gracious enough to give me a couple more days and i'll be back to to work uh on wednesday but i'm back to work here i was back to work here in fact all the way through just uh praying and seeking the lord and uh and in praying for people who who are experiencing this uh, uh this sickness right now, um, we know Tom is in the hospital, and so we want to pray for Tom and for his lungs to clear up um and uh Karen's down, and so we need to pray for them we need to pray, but um it's important you know one of the things that we'll see this morning is is a man who uh nothing could hold him back uh nothing could draw him uh, away from what the Lord had called him to, and that's the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22. But before we do, I have a couple of announcements for you. Number one, we have a women's prayer this coming Saturday, December 19th at 8 a.m. And so, ladies, make a note. Um, We have a women's prayer this Saturday, and it's going to be right here, December 19th, again at 8 a.m. We also have a Mexico missions trip that is taking place in January. And so what we would like to do is take some gift bags to the children at the women's home that we are going to go visit. And uh, so if you'd like to help, make sure that you uh, pick up a Ziploc bag at the missions table. Um, and there's a, a suggested list of, uh, of items um, that you could put into the bag and then drop back off um, in the following week. So that's what we have uh, as far as announcements are concerned. Just a, just a quick reminder about a couple of things. So we are continuing this morning in uh, in Acts chapter, we're going to finish out Acts chapter 21 and go into Acts chapter 22. All right, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us as a church, as your people. Father, I pray that you would have your way with us. Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding. Help us, Lord, to... Be a people that reflects a faith that we proclaim, Lord, that we would be resolute, that we would be steadfast, immovable, Lord, and uh, and always, Lord, about your business, Lord, just blessing and glorifying you. And so I pray, Father, that you would uh, just bless our time together in your word, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the title of this morning's message is My Heart is Steadfast, O God. Uh, beginning in verse 37 of chapter 21, it says, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian, then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led led the four thousand men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul standing on the steps motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. You know, <clears throat> some words came to mind as I was thinking about again the Apostle Paul. I was thinking about uh the the great psalmist the sweet psalmist of Israel David and that was uh, steadfastness you know and that's why I titled this morning's message message my heart is steadfast O God unmoved steadfast resolute uh, as I as I looked up and uh, and I wanted to get a better understanding of those words it means to be unaffected by emotion or excitement I think many people today Are unfortunately wavering because of an overwhelming amount of emotion or excitement. Unchanged in purpose or intention. Oh, people lack some internal fortitude because when the going gets tough, there seems to be a change in purpose or intention that ought not be, at least not for the Christian, not for the purpose uh, of. Glorifying the Lord, of honoring the Lord, of being one who witnesses of the Lord. Unchanged in position, determined, unwavering, purposeful, committed, loyal, faithful, devoted, dedicated, and dependable. The Apostle Paul, what was his purpose in life once? He was converted on the road to Damascus. His whole life revolved around glorifying the Lord. And there was nothing and there was no one who could stop that. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 57. Psalm chapter 57. Verse 1. So, this is a psalm of David. And uh, it it says, To the choir master, according to do not destroy a mictam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Now, listen to what he writes. Verse one Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. In the storms of destruction, Uh, Until the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. In verse 7 says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Nehemiah writes, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our very strength. Oh, it's in times like these, when we're facing trials and tribulation, that we ought to allow that joy to come out. Because it's our strength. Being reminded of God's faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, his compassion. His faithfulness toward us is amazing love, which we sung about. And I have to ask this question, are are those qualities that you possess? And I'm talking about the, the qualities that describe a spirit of being steadfast in the Lord, of being unmovable, of being steadfast, of being resolute. Let me ask you this, are they worth desiring? Are they worth desiring for you and I? And the answer is an absolute yes. Because it demonstrates a faith. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And if we do possess these qualities, how do we know? In other words, have they been tested? Within you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's faith is being tested over and over and over. He's being tried, but you know he's being prepared for what's to come. There's more to come. As long as God gives us breath, there's more to come. It may seem as if he's been previously tested to prepare him for the moment that he's presently in. And he may have been. But there's more, and Paul knows that he must remain unmoved, determined, faithful, committed, and unchanged in position and purpose for the glory and fulfillment of the will of Jesus of Nazareth, who has commissioned him and given him marching orders to complete. There's a work to be done. I don't know how, how many of you, I know some of you, but not all of you maybe, that have served in the military. But one of the things that I came out with as I served was that <clears throat> we would give our all even when we weren't feeling 100%. Remember, there was a time <clears throat> when uh, when I had a bit of sinus issues, and uh, but we, we had to get some work done, and and uh, I, against what uh, I know to do or not do, I, I dove anyway. <laughs> and uh, diving with uh, sinus issues is a no-no. <laughs> it's not something you do um, for many reasons, and uh, and and I remember coming back up. And it was at that time that, um, so as, you, as, as pressure decreases, volume increases, Boyle's Law. And uh, as I was coming back up, the, the, uh, the volume that was increasing in my sinuses uh, forced everything that was in my sinuses to come out. So you can just imagine when they took off my helmet, to their dismay, <laughs> they, uh, they realized that I had some sinus issues. <clears throat> And, uh, and and I got a good talking, too. But I remember that that was pretty much the attitude with, I could say, 95% of the men that I served with. Just nothing could keep us down. We just kept going. If we dealt with one issue, then it just made us better prepared for the for what follows. That, that was it. We just trained harder. We kept moving forward. We were commissioned. We were given marching orders to complete. And we just wouldn't quit. Well, Paul had been arrested unlawfully because he had been falsely accused. Remember that the Apostle Paul was was dragged by the crowd. It was a mob. Remember that we, we just went over it a couple of weeks ago. He he was dragged. He was falsely accused and he he was dragged out of the temple and he was beaten. And if it wasn't for the tribune, he would have been beaten to death. You would think that he would have been seething with anger. But listen to this. He wasn't. And it was evident by the way he requested to speak that he was in complete control of himself. The way he spoke to the tribune... May I say something to you? (laughs) And and he he spoke in Greek. Perfect Greek. Of course, that surprised the tribune. You see, what he wrote to Timothy was true for him. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What he wrote to the Philippians was true for him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He had to take the very same things that he had spoken to by the Holy Spirit to others and encouraging them and had to apply them to himself. Power, love, self-control. I heard someone who had been reminded of that the Lord was speaking to them to put it in different terms, saying, don't freak out. You know, again, going back to an example of what I experienced um, in, uh, in going through dive school, there's a, a week, it's called Pool Week. And, uh, and one of the things that, that uh, we'll, we'll do is, as we were trained for scuba up until that point, and, and it's uh, during Pool Week that we're trained how to not panic, um, even though the situation would, uh, would definitely call for, <laughs> for a panic and for you to, to swim up to the surface. It's called sharking. And so what you would do is you'd have your your tanks on, your second stage regulator in your mouth, um, you know, everything. You'd have all your gear on. And an instructor would go down, and in one fell swoop, he would take off your regulator from your mouth, depriving you of the air that you need to breathe underwater, Uh, taking off your mask so visibility is all gone, trying to take your tank away from you. They'll turn off the tanks for one of the two Uh, divers, and oftentimes they'll shove that regulator in between the two tanks, making it extremely difficult for you to get air, and trying to take off your fins, and so on and so forth. But during that time, what that was teaching us is in the midst of chaos, we need to keep, be aware of our surroundings. Hold on to our tanks, hold on to our buddy, and that would sometimes be a uh, just a scissor hold around out, around each other, holding on to our tanks, but with one hand, and, and trying to figure out which way's up, and holding our breath all at the same time. We had one minute to get all, all our gear together, put that regulator in our mouth, and start swimming with our buddy, or else we would get sharked again. You know, the Lord allows certain things to happen in our lives so we don't freak out, so we don't get anxious about things, that we don't get overwhelmed with worry. Because let me tell you something, worry and fear is contagious. That's horrible. That is the worst thing that could drive us because it clouds our judgment. It prevents us from expressing a a faith toward the Lord. Remember what I said in Hebrews 11.6. I quoted Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's not that it's partially possible. fear and faith cannot live in the same body, in the same person. For the Apostle Paul, there was no way that he could endure everything that he went through and still express a faith if he had fear. He couldn't. And he couldn't do this. He couldn't simply look over to the tribune and say, may I speak to you? (laughs) That wouldn't be possible because he'd be freaking out. Paul's heart and his mind was guarded by Jesus Christ and he was obviously not anxious. He was not worried. He was focused and his heart was steadfast in the Lord. This is what we will see this morning, be encouraged by a man much like you and I, but filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with faith. Leonard Ravenhill said this, quote, The tragedy of today is that the church is pursuing happiness and not holiness. Too many people are playing church. We're not here to play church. We're not even here to make each other feel good. We're here to grow in the Lord, to grow in our faith, to bless and honor him, to glorify him, and to be holy just as he is holy. What is true of Paul is true of us as we face difficulties, trials, and testing, and are further prepared to respond in a way that brings glory to God. Let us demonstrate the power, love, and self-control that only comes from the Spirit of God. So in verses 37 through 40, Paul asks for a request to speak. What this demonstrates is self-control. Let's look at it again, verse 37. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language. So Paul, as I explained a couple weeks ago, was being taken to the barracks in the Antonia Fortress when he surprised the tribune by speaking in Greek and asking for permission to speak. I thought you were just some thug, is what the tribune was thinking. I thought you were just some guy who was here to revolt, some Antifa guy. That's what, that's what I thought you were, just some, some dude that was here to cause trouble. In fact, aren't you the Egyptian that stirred up a revolt against Jerusalem 4000 4, you led 4000 in fact josephus says that uh, he uh, that that's why uh, it's believed that he he tended to exaggerate some numbers josephus said that it was 30000 that he led into the wilderness and then brought them back and he they stood on the mount of olives and and this this uh, this egyptian uh, man uh, thought that for sure he was going to capture Jerusalem and therefore subjugate uh, the, the the Roman province that uh, was under Roman rule at the time. Well, we know that Felix uh, came on scene and he killed 400 of those men, captured 200 of them, and the rest of them went off running. Well, either way, this wasn't Paul. This is what... Lysias was thinking uh, who Paul was. Was this man that, uh, that had caused this revolt? Um, this man had gotten away, and that's why they thought maybe it was him. But when he spoke in Greek, in the, the manner in which he spoke, it was certainly not who he thought he was. A citizen of Tarsus, and not an Egyptian insurrectionist. The manner in which Paul spoke was controlled and convincing, But Paul had not revealed that he had dual citizenship. He was a Jew, but he also had Roman citizenship. And at this point, his desire was to convince the Jews that he didn't defile the temple and that he was not opposed to the law, but upheld it for himself and other Jews. Imagine, he didn't have to. He could have just... Defending himself, and, and that's it. But, but Paul had a different goal. His intentions were different. When Paul was given permission to address the crowd, he spoke in Hebrew, and they all quieted down. For God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-control, and this is a demonstration of it. I can just picture the Antonia Fortress and the steps that come up to the patio that sits on top. And it says that he stood on those steps... And he addressed the crowd. He explained how he persecuted the church, but it was misapplied zeal. Verse 1 of chapter 22 says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia. But brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. As a high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem To be punished. So the Apostle Paul begins by addressing his accusers in this manner. He wanted to address them and help them understand. Addressing them as brothers and fathers. Addressing them in Old Testament lingo is what he was doing. Speaking to them in Hebrew. And says that they... They were quiet before, but when he started speaking, it just all quieted even more. Paul had gotten their attention. What Paul started out with was something that perhaps they could understand and would even agree with. But what he was setting up was that his persecution of the church was out of ignorance and ultimately was opposing Jesus himself which we'll get to in a few moments. Perhaps this is something that some people today can relate to and agree that they were there too. This was something for the Apostle Paul that as he spoke to these people who were falsely accusing him, that they too were going against the very one who died for each and every one of them. You see, the Apostle Paul thought that he was doing well by persecuting those of the way. And yet again, he was doing it out of ignorance. And yet for these people, as he started out in this manner, they could all relate to him. They could all even agree with him. And Paul made it abundantly clear that the statement he was making was in his defense, but it was not just for the current accusations against him, but rather... For all of his past actions regarding the church. And that's why he started back where he did. Paul was making the point that he was a Jew. Taught under the great Gamaliel. Which they all were uh, familiar with. They all knew. And he followed the law strictly. In fact, he was so zealous for the law that he persecuted the early Christians. The early church by imprisoning and even delivering them to death. And he has plenty of people. He said, I and I have pl- plenty of people who could witness this and testify of that very fact. I have plenty of people. And Paul was explaining to them that he even secured letters from the high priest and council to go to Damascus to arrest and bring back to Jerusalem those of the way to be punished. Let's not miss the fact that Paul was in total control of his faculties. He was not responding in uncontrolled anger, resentment, bitterness, vengeance, but rather he was calculated in his defense, the defense of his faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was describing himself as a zealous Jew who grew up observing the law and persecuted the church. It was misapplied zeal, which he'll point out next. But he was making a point and he was drawing the crowd in, is what he was doing. There's times that we need to speak in such a way that we're not necessarily attacking someone right away, but we're relating to them. You see, I was once a sinner. I was one that persecuted the church. I was one that rejected Christ. I was one that thought that that was the liberty that I had, that was the place I I could be. Maybe some of you can relate to that. And I have plenty of people who could testify of that in my own life. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He's saying, "I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Jew just like you. I, I didn't forsake the law. I, I was learned under the greatest of teachers, under the greatest of rabbis. In fact, I went after the church with a zeal, with a passion. But then he was confronted by Jesus." And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. Confronted by Jesus, truth is known. This is one of three accounts of Paul's conversion given in the book of Acts. Each one is, of course, adapted to address his unique audience. And so it is with this one as well. Paul gives the detail of the encounter taking place. At this point, he gives the detail of it happened at noon. It happened in the brightest part of the day. And yet the light that shone upon me was so bright that it blinded him. And so he gave that further detail. And he had to be led by the hand, as he described here, he had to be led by the hand into the city of Damascus. The voice that he heard was the voice of the Lord. And yet the other people that were with him couldn't distinguish what was being said. You see, that encounter was for the Apostle Paul, was for Paul himself, was for his own conversion And Paul identifies that the one who confronted him was Jesus of Nazareth. Very specific. And that he was told that he was persecuting him. Paul tells them that he confesses that this indeed is the Lord and received further instructions from him. And Paul believed him and obeyed him. Again, this was totally a moment that was for Paul. And one that he was hoping was for his hearers as well. He was communicating that he had been zealous for the law and his actions were proving that he was faithful to the law. But what he was doing was not right in going after the Christians. And he was explaining this to the Jews who were listening to him. He thought he was seeing things clearly. But in a very real way, he was spiritually blind. It was illustrated with a physical blindness that overwhelmed him that could only be cured by his belief in Jesus Christ and following his word. He was told, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. Well, he was on his way to Damascus. But at this point, he would enter Damascus, not filled with pride, to persecute and prosecute those of the way but to be told what to do. What was important for Paul to know was that he was opposing Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. And It was time to acknowledge him and have faith in him and obey him. Paul acknowledged God, but had not believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, God's only begotten son. And so he's building up to the very... Gospel message, all of this was part of it, and he was building up the very point that he needed to make to all of these people who had falsely accused him of defiling the temple. James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one? Because if you ask people, they'll say, I believe in God. Many people say, I believe in God. But James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe And shudder. Now there's there's a there's a salvific faith that needs to be expressed. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. To say I believe in God is of no use whatsoever, because the only way to the Father is through the Son. If you don't believe in the Son, you don't have the Father. Well, he was given his sight back, but it was for one express purpose, and that's to bring Witness to testify of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. He was given sight, but he was given sight for the express purpose of witnessing, of testifying of Jesus Christ. He was commissioned. Paul communicated that his commission by Jesus was passed along by Ananias, who was a devout Jew, and he had a good testimony. He was well thought of, and and people knew Ananias. Here was another Jew that observed the law, and yet he was a believer in Jesus Christ. He was a Christian. So, again, for the Apostle Paul, he was, yes, he was building his case to say, you know what, I'm not forsaken, I'm not. A person who has forsaken the law i'm not one who tells others to forsake the law but the only way to the father is through the son is what he was getting to paul wanted to make sure they knew that he had never rejected judaism even if many did not believe in jesus of nazareth being the son of god he had never rejected judaism And so Paul was given his side and told that he would see Jesus and was to hear or listen to his word. You know, oftentimes, unfortunately, uh, there are people who have come to that place of being saved and yet refuse at the same time after that to follow through with being obedient to the word of God. I don't know why. He's come because when you when you come to know the grace of God and the love of God, his compassion, his mercy. I don't get how it is that people can neglect or reject the word of God and apply it to their lives to glorify the one who gave us eternal life. And so Paul was given his sight and he was told, hey, you're going to see the Lord and you are to listen to his word. In other words, you are to be obedient to his word. And as Paul does, he will serve as Jesus' witness to all. It was at that moment that Ananias told Paul that it was time to act. It was time to rise and be baptized, to wash away his sins, and call or believe on the name of Jesus Christ. The key there is is to call on or believe on the name of Jesus Christ because we know that baptism itself does not wash away our sins it's our identification with the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are baptized in Christ as we're baptized in water we are simply proclaiming to the world that Jesus is our lord and we identify with his death burial and re- resurrection but Ananias was telling Paul, and he was confessing this to all of his hearers. Remember, Paul is standing on the steps of this fortress. And he's, he's addressing all of the people who had falsely accused him. And he tells them, hey, this is what I was called to do at that very moment. There comes a time for you and I when we need to just say, hey, you know what? Now's the time. Now's the time to act, to rise, to be baptized, to be obedient to the Lord, to act on that belief that we proclaim. There comes a time when this is what we are all called to do, and we must choose. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach Repentance. Acts four twelve says, "And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only one name." And this is where things start to turn for Paul. He was doing well. He had their attention. It was all quiet. But then again, he wasn't trying to have things go, quote, unquote, well for himself. It was all for their sake. Paul didn't have to address them. He could have given his defense to the tribune. He could have waited. Yet he asked the tribune, may I say something? Paul said to live as Christ." And to die is gain. You see, death for Paul was not dreaded. Too many people fear death. But for the Christian, it should not be dreaded nor feared. Too many people fear death. When you're faced... With certain circumstances in your life, what you proclaim is not always what is displayed. That's why I think it's those circumstances that we're allowed to get into. It's it's not for anyone's sake or for the benefit of anyone else. But you individually. When you're in that place, what is demonstrated? Because what you demonstrate is what is actual, what is real. For the Apostle Paul, obviously, obviously, he did not fear death. To live as Christ, to die as gain. He just got beaten to the point of, he. May have just lingered there a little while longer and he would have been dead. And yet he turns around to the very same people who beat on him and said, I want to talk to them. Please allow me to do that. He was in complete control. I love that. What a great example. Verse 17, let's continue. It says, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and improving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles." For God so loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, this was the heart of the Apostle Paul. This is exactly what he wanted those people to come to believe. You see, Paul referred to a time when he was in Jerusalem and in the temple praying. And he fell into a trance. Again, this is another example of Paul observing Jewish custom. And Jesus came to Paul in a vision and told him that his testimony will, would not be accepted in Jerusalem. Paul, it's time for you to go. It's not going to be accepted in Jerusalem. But Paul, you know, we, we think that, that Peter always had foot and mouth syndrome, but, but Paul gave his two cents also in this case. Paul thought for sure it, they all know here in Jerusalem how I persecuted the church and how i it, it was me. I had actually, um, it says here, I, I was approving as I watched over the garments of those who killed Stephen. They all know about this. They'll listen to me. All thought for sure they would listen. But they did not. Jesus was telling him. To get out of Jerusalem, they're not going to listen to your testimony. But he went a bit too far. He said one thing, too many. Again, these are just, for you and I, these are all examples of, we should not fear going, quote unquote, too far. Offending people. The gospel is offensive. Offensive. It's offensive to sin, it's offensive to the world, it's offensive to the flesh, it's offensive. We should not fear going too far, we should fear not going far enough. Because the most loving thing that we can speak is the truth, period. That is the most loving thing that we can speak. And so he said one thing, that Jesus was sending him out to the Gentiles. Oh, that was, we, we had a crowd full of Jewish people out there. Like, that, that's horrible. That's blasphemous. But God desires that none should perish. But there were plenty of people then and so many now that reject Jesus as the son of God. We ought to desire the salvation of all. We know not all are going to be saved, but that should be our desire, as it was the desire of the Apostle Paul. He was zealous for his own people, he wanted them to come to faith. Paul had made it abundantly clear that everyone and anyone can come to God, but it was exclusive. You must come through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Well, Paul's heart was unmovable. His heart was steadfast before God. And no matter what he was faced with, he remained faithful to God. My heart is steadfast, O God, as the psalmist said. First of all, unaffected by emotion or excitement. Secondly, unchanged in purpose or intention. And thirdly, unchanged in position. Unaffected by emotion or excitement, Paul was falsely accused, beaten, and arrested, and yet he was well in control of his thoughts and actions. Unchanged in purpose or intention, Paul did not allow his personal circumstances to change his purpose or intentions. He desired to address the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, unchanged in position. Paul's only message, singular, was to declare that Jesus was the Son of God and the only way to the Father. He never wavered no matter what or who threatened his life. Unaffected by emotion or excitement, unchanged in purpose or intention, unchanged in position, unmoved, steadfast, resolute, my heart is steadfast, O God. A faith that is untested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Has your faith been tested, tried, and found true? A person who is unmoved in Christ is a person who knows peace and knows courage to continue regardless of what they are faced with in life because they've already won. And I'll finish here. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four through 58. It says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your laborer, is not in vain. Father, we, um, we humbly come to you, Lord, thanking you. Lord, we, that we can have, Lord, such a word of encouragement from your word. Lord, in a, an example of faith, an example of a person like any one of us, but filled with your Holy Spirit and filled with faith. And how it is that he gave himself to testify of you, to bless you, and not allow anything to stop him. I pray that that would be us. I really do. I I ask, Father, that you would help us to be those people that we honor and glorify you, that we don't allow anything to hold us back, distract us, stop us, Lord but that we would continue to express um, a faith in you, a belief, a trust, a loyalty to you, in you alone, that we would not allow fear to remove us from the battlefield, but rather we would move in spite of our circumstances in advance for your glory. So Father, we thank you for this time. I ask your blessing upon the church, and we pray this in Jesus' name.